welcome to this BGSM podcast, part two on nutrition. What should you be eating, especially if you have type 2 diabetes? My name is Dr. Asim Malhotra. I'm a consultant cardiologist and recently appointed as visiting professor of evidence-based medicine at the Bahiana School of Medicine and Public Health, Salvador, Brazil. Welcome, Hanno and Esther, once again. So I think this particular podcast, um, we are going to discuss really what should you be eating? What is the best approach, both in terms of diet and, and possibly even lifestyle, to manage type 2 diabetes? And I can't think of two better people really to discuss that. Um, I will start and, and emphasize a bit more time with, with Hanno, who's a, a diabetologist, so no better person there to discuss this, and he's a practicing diabetologist. So I wanted to ask Hanno really about his approach in managing type 2 diabetes. Um, his systematic review with Esther, um, also co-authored with Professor Zibis Fedorowicz, who is a former director of Cochrane Bahrain, and Ton Kuypers, uh, published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, um, suggested that low-carbohydrate diet approach is, is probably the best approach certainly to manage type 2 diabetes although the changes compared to a low-fat diet were were less marked at two years so I want to ask Hanno uh, what is your approach how do you um, manage these particular patients Hanno what's your experience with uh, with people with type 2 and even please feel free I mean if type if this is also an approach used with type 1 diabetes patients then you know how do you how do you approach that patient in the consultation room how is the discussion what do you tell them to eat and and what are the results well, um, first of all, I would like to emphasize that uh, the treatment of type 2 diabetes um, does not only involve nutrition, but it is actually, it needs to be treated by lifestyle change. And lifestyle includes, uh, apart from nutrition, it includes um, physical activity and stress management and sleep. So actually, I address all these components of lifestyle in my in my office as a practicing uh, diabetologist now um, about uh, about I would say 10 years ago um, it you know it, it struck me uh, that many of my patients come into my office using 10 different drugs for their uh, for their disease and uh, and at the same time we and and, and yet uh, many of them are not uh, well controlled. So, so the cause of the disease is um, is the is the cooperation uh, between lifestyle and a way of life and and genetic predisposition. And we didn't manage lifestyle. Um, we don't actually manage lifestyle enough. And so um, uh, this is uh, uh, this is a, a mistake, I think. And it, we we live in the illusion that we can cure this uh, disease, this is systems. It's actually a systems disease where many many things go wrong in our body um, with these drugs. This is exactly the reason why people use so many drugs is is specifically that um, that there's so many things wrong actually it's more than glucose control it's it's it also concerns blood pressure it has to do with blood lipids and everything needs another drug while lifestyle change can um, actually impact on all components uh, together so so what I do is in terms of um, in terms of nutrition um, there, there is uh, one, the most important rule, I would say, is avoid processed food as much as possible. 
And why is that? Because this is because processed food has lots of sugar, it has lots of salt, and it has basically the wrong lipids in there. Um, and all of these things are bad for uh, for metabolism in people who have who are genetically predisposed to get type two diabetes. So fresh food is the most important, as far as I'm concerned, the most important rule um, as far as nutrition is concerned. So Hannah, that's a really interesting point you make about processed food. So recently there was a publication that came out of University of Sao Paulo, Brazil by Carlos Monteiro and colleagues called the NOVA classification. And if anybody wants to understand more about food processing and its impact on health or definitions, please look up this classification. But one of the uh, definitions that he talks about of ultra processed food in particular, because much food has some kind of processing but ultra processed food is is the major issue is uh, one very in- nice easy rule of thumb is and it's what i tell my patients now is if it has five or more ingredients and comes out of a packet essentially it's ultra processed food so these are foods that are highly palatable they are heavily marketed they're nutritionally poor and you're absolutely right hanno when you when you break down what the ultra processed food is made up of most of it is coming from starch and sugar it's not coming from fat, interestingly, and, and there was a publication in the BMJ recently linking ultra-processed food consumption with cancer, independent of calories, and, uh, and, and in the pie chart, they actually only put 2% coming from fats. So most of it was from starch, breakfast cereals, sugary drinks, ultra-processed fruit and vegetables. Of course, there was processed meats and processed dairy in there, but most of it, as you're absolutely right, is coming from starch and sugar. So I think that's a really crucial point that um that you've raised is that ultra processed food is is a problem but actually when you break it down it's actually the starch and sugar within the ultra processed food and part of that reason is because it's very cheap so um so that's really interesting can i also um ask you hannah so uh, before we talk about the uh you know what you see with your patients what sort of hba1c blood glucose control are you aiming for with your type 2 diabetes patients what what should we be aiming for well, I think uh, the general consensus is to aim for um, an HbA1c of 53 millimolars per mole, um, 7%. But um, in fact, um, with lifestyle change, uh, many of my patients are capable of, of reaching a, a even lower HbA1c without the use of medication. Many of my patients can stop using pills is um, the medications for type 2 diabetes for glucose control, in general, looking at all the literature, do not reduce all-cause mortality and do not even reduce cardiovascular death. They do have some benefits, certainly for microvascular complications. So we're talking about kidney disease, nerve disease, eye disease, very important. But for actually for the, for the macrovascular, for the big vascular causes of death, they have no benefit whatsoever. And, is, is, and, and on top of that, of course, you know, we can, patients can get side effects. There is some data from the United States that suggests that, um, you know, glucose-lowering medications in the United States are responsible for 100,000 visits to the ER every year to the emergency room because of side effects. So I think, is that also not crucial to this whole discussion? It is, absolutely. Um, and I think um, in particular, the drugs that, uh, that raise insulin to lower glucose are the ones that, um, that, that cause the biggest problems. Um, I think, you know, there's a misperception in the treatment of uh, type 2 diabetes that we we focus very much on glucose 
while uh, and of course high glucose levels are toxic in a way but um, but uh, at the same time the high insulin levels are probably even more toxic in type 2 diabetes and no one um, focuses on 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 high insulin so what we actually do is uh, some of these drugs they raise insulin levels in people who have high insulin levels already to reduce the glucose and of course the reduction of glucose has some benefits but the increased levels of insulin are bad are maybe even worse than the high glucose levels. And, so, and, and, and the mechanism for that is increases cardiovascular risk and also weight gain as well with insulin isn't it uh, Hannah? Weight gain exactly weight gain but it, it also it also uh, promotes um, uh, the, the proliferation of cells uh, also damaged cells so it may be a risk factor for cancer uh, it, it promotes the uh, retention of, of sodium by the kidneys so it increases blood pressure uh, it may even promote inflammation as a basic mechanism in the um, in the in the pathogenesis, the, the development of type two diabetes. So it has many many um, yeah adverse uh, effects, of course, in excess. And in fact, that that draws me onto this something I will talk about briefly now is uh, a publication last year in the British Journal of Sports Medicine that I know you're aware of called "Saturated Fat Does Not Clog the Arteries and Coronary Artery Disease Is a Chronic Inflammatory." inflammatory condition that can be managed by simple lifestyle changes and in that myself and my co-authors Pascal Meyer and, and Rita Redberg talk about the really the metabolic effects chronic inflammation and how that affects um, insulin resistance as well and interestingly with my own patients when when you follow this lifestyle approach which does primarily try and target insulin um, not only do they lose weight but more importantly all these other markers of the metabolic syndrome the blood pressure gets better their cardiovascular risk factors, lipid profile seems to get seem to improve as well, um, as well as their blood glucose if they're type two diabetic. So I think it it seems to be um, it's coherent and it seems to be correct in terms of the biological mechanism. Yes, I think we should aim for lowering of glucose and insulin in the treatment of type two diabetes um, to really improve um, cardiovascular risk, for example, and also microvascular. So Hanno, do you actually prescribe food to your patients and if so what do you prescribe to them specifically and what do you tell them to avoid so so rule number one is is fresh food so avoid uh unprocessed um uh, i'm sorry avoid processed and particularly ultra processed foods as much as possible and rule number two is be modest with starchy products even with the whole grain products um, but but whole grain products like um, brown rice, like uh, whole grain bread, um, and whole grain pasta um, are. Uh, I mean, they they can. I think they have some benefits, but um, be be modest with those um, products. Can I just can I just ask you there, um, and just so because I think this this um, term modest is used quite a lot, and I think patients need a bit more sort of bit more prescription would you give any kind of guide you say maybe have these products maybe once or twice a week avoid them every day if people ask you what do you kind of say to them in regards to it's i think if you um guide people too much they're going to um basically not do it i mean it's it's um they have to realize what food does to them so that's what i explain and then 
I tell them be uh, so so don't eat these whole grain products every day, perhaps, but um, uh, but I never tell them how much that that they should eat two pieces of brown bread a day or or a hundred grams of of brown rice. I mean that that doesn't work in my experience. And do you think it's better, as I often do, do you think it's better also to tell them what to base their diet on more consistently and then and then on top of that, then they can have these things occasionally? Yes. So so you mean that the diet should be plant based. Uh, uh, and that's something that I also talk about, indeed, that it, most of the food should be plant based. And then um, and this is something that I do advise them to eat, let's say, twice a week, uh, a piece of fish. Uh, and uh, and when maybe one or twice a week a piece of uh, of meat, um, that that is probably the healthiest for uh, for everyone, but also for people with type two diabetes. Uh, and then olive oil, of course, um, is an important part of the diet that is um, uh, for for type two diabetics. Uh, fruit is an issue that is always discussed in my office. And I tell them not to eat more than two pieces of fruit a day. Um, but fruit is healthy. It has, it has many uh, healthy components. And then one uh, important thing is nuts. So I advise them to eat a, a portion of nuts every day. Um, oh, because This sounds very similar to the Piopi diet. <laughs> well, I think the Piopi diet is perhaps the best diet it's it's the the mediterranean mediterranean diet is as far as i'm concerned the best documented um beneficial diet for for type 2 diabetes sure for those of you who don't know just a declaration here i'm a co-author on a book called the piopi diet um that was published last year and uh just from a financial perspective all my personal loyalties uh, royalties of sales of the book are going to charity so i'm not gaining anything financially although i may be getting some other um uh, awareness around the book but um but i you, you mentioned the mediterranean diet there um hanno as well and and when we talk about mediterranean diet i think a lot of people still base the traditional food pyramid on on, on a very starch heavy starch based starchy carbohydrate based diet so are we talking about we're talking about a mediterranean diet here which is actually uh, lower in terms of the uh, the amounts of starch it shouldn't really be at the base of the diet i think there's lots of misinterpretations and of course the type of starch they consumed was was uh, bread which was homemade and the modern bread is very different so i think all these things play in uh, would you agree that it should be really a higher fat specifically from oil olive oil type of diet that you that, that seems to have the the best effect yeah I, I agree. Now, in terms of your experience with the patients, so so you see these patients, you give them this advice, obviously you follow them up. What is your, uh, you know, we've got obviously a lot of literature out there, but what's your personal experience in terms of feedback when they come back, glucose control? What have you seen with your patients? It, it really differs. So many patients do very well. They lose weight. They uh, improve their metabolic control. They feel much, much better. But there is also patients that um, have much less of an effect. And um, I always wonder whether these patients actually cannot um, adapt their dietary habits enough or there's something different with their metabolism. And um, this last possibility is not... Um, that, that I cannot exclude that. So 
what we know is that uh, more and more is that type 2 diabetes, of course, is primarily caused by insensitivity to insulin. Now, there's, there's, three, um, there's at least three uh, tissues that are involved here. So it's the liver, it's muscle, and it's fat. Now, we know that some people are more resistant, more insensitive to insulin in their muscle and others are more insensitive in their liver. And, and, and again, others are perhaps more insensitive in their, their adipose tissue. Now, it, there is some data out there now that suggests that people with um, insensitivity in their muscle um, uh, require a different dietary approach than people who are uh, resistant, who have a resistant liver. So it may be that, that and, and this is something that I am actually um, convinced of, that there, there is no one size fits all uh, for a perfect uh, metabolic result in type two diabetes. I think that some people may require slightly different um, macronutrient uh, composition than others. And this is my, my personal clinical experience I cannot um, uh, support that with scientific evidence, but I think in the next couple of years, we will see that um, this is an, a, an issue that will uh, um, come up in, in science, actually. That's fascinating, Hannah. So we've talked about the diet approach. So ultimately, I think we can conclude that really avoid ultra-processed foods. Uh, sugar and starch should be eaten in very small to little amounts, especially if you're a type 2 diabetic. And I think it's a very fair point you make. One size rarely fits all in medicine or in science. So I think, um, you know, that's something that's an evolving, evolving space. But certainly this seems to be a very appropriate, you know, approach or first line approach. Would, would you in fact say that the first line approach with your patient should be a low carbohydrate diet approach for type 2? I would say uh, the first line approach is a low starch, low sugar uh, approach. And, and, and because we need fiber. Now, um, in terms of other aspects as well, you, you mentioned at the beginning, um, this is a complete holistic lifestyle approach. And, you know, the mechanisms that cause excess insulin secretion are also related to things like sleep, to being sedentary, to stress. Um, so, so how do you approach that with the patients? Well, um, this is, I, I advise them to um, try to incorporate um, regular um, physical activity in terms of uh, cycling, uh, in terms of taking stairs instead of uh, elevators, um, walking uh, to shops instead of taking a car or, or cycling to shops is probably the most practical approach and it's, it's very sufficient to improve metabolism. And it's, I think it's more practical than, than telling people to uh, go to, um, to gyms or, or, or um, uh, uh, engage in, in, in really rigorous uh, physical exercise uh, five days a week. I mean, it is better than uh, this, this incorporation of, of moderate to low physical activity in everyday life, but it's it's a, it's much less practical. So this is the first thing that I advise patients to do, and then many of them actually um, f 
feel that they get better. They feel better and they are able to do more rigorous physical exercise as well in the course of time. So, um, but the first step is incorporated in, in your everyday life. And then, of course, stress is an important. So I discuss stress in my office with people, with patients. Um, but it's hard for me to, um, at this time, to advise them how to manage this. Um, there is some uh, scientific evidence that, um, for example, meditation is beneficial for pe people with type 2 diabetes. Um, but... Um, it's not, it's in the Netherlands, I don't know about Britain, but in the Netherlands, we do not have, um, you know, possibilities available to refer patients to, um, to meditation clinics or something like that. So, so the control of stress is an important issue that I don't have a, a solution at hand. Um, and, and sleep is another thing that I always discuss with patients. So try to sleep as regular as possible, uh, seven to eight hours an, uh, a night. There is, there is really evidence that this is best for your, uh, for your metabolic control. Um, so, so these issues are, are always discussed in my own. So Esther, is there anything that, that you would like to say? I mean, what is the, this, this dietary and lifestyle approach in terms of uh, helping patients, making it sustainable, anything in particular? That, that What are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm, of course, not a diabetes expert, but I think it's important that what you're eating is attractive. And a lot of people are not aware of of what food they really like and what the possibilities are. So I think it's important that they are guided in healthy foods and how to prepare it. And that they, when you change your food pattern, then it is also more sustainable. If you like it, what you're eating, then it's more sustainable. And it is the same actually for exercise. If you're going to say you need to go three times a week to the gym and you don't like to go to the gym, that is not the right exercise for you. So ask people, what do you like to do? Do you like walking? Do you like swimming? If you like swimming, you can do that. For example, before you go to work, if you like walking and you have kids, bring them walking to school instead of bringing them in the car. So try to find something what people enjoy to do and um, I also think, as leads in the Netherlands, but I think in the UK as well, you have all these mindfulness courses you can do. And if you have done such a course, you can also always find a moment to do, for example, brief meditation during the day that also helps you to concentrate and focus better. And it's good for so many things. So I think it's important to also guide people, find the ways, show them the ways, even if you're not able in your own practice as a physician to do it all yourself, like stress reduction. There are plenty of people that are really good at it to help you with that. And those are all very important components of a healthy lifestyle. That's excellent, Esther. I think very, very good advice and a lovely way to finish off this podcast. So there we have it. Thank you for joining us on this BGSM podcast. My name's Asim Alhotra. If you want to engage further in discussions, please go to the BGSM social media sites and have a great and active day.